So welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited about uh, today's podcast. I'm here with co-host Jared Wilson, um, and we have a, a very, I think, unique and special guest with us today to talk about something that that is not talked about a lot or enough in the strength coach industry. Um, and this is something that Jared and I have had a conversation about last week, and we thought we'd bring uh, we'd bring Nick in and talk about the financial uh, side of things as far as being a strength coach, whether that's in the private industry or whether that's, you know, in a college setting or in the university setting or even the high school setting, um, about strength coaches and what they should do with their money or how they should plan their taxes or how they should plan, you know, to set themselves up later in life for retirement and investments and other things. And I think it's a little bit taboo to talk about this as a strength coach because you want to say, oh, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. But you have to make money to live and to eat and to provide for your family. So um, I'm excited to, to introduce Mr. Nick Pantuso in on our podcast. And uh, can you give us just a short intro on who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Uh, appreciate you having me here. Um, both of you guys have trained me. He was a little less gentle than you, um, <laughs> but he put me in my place, which is what everybody needs. Um, so I live locally, uh, husband, father of two, everybody in the family's an athlete. Um, I am a recovering CPA. I practice, I got my CPA license back in the late 90s. Um, I say recovering because I just don't practice anymore, though I'm up to speed on on financial law. Um, have a real estate broker's license. I've had that for 20 years. I have a, a NMLS lender's license nationally, uh, though I'm only licensed currently in the state of Texas and California. And I hold four securities licenses. I have a 663, 65, and 66. So um, people put labels on what you do to take one of Jared's lines. I'm just a finance guy. I understand finance. Um, everybody understands finance. I think where we get overwhelmed is finance is eighth grade math and discipline. Everything that I do as a CPA, real estate broker, um, investor, manage monies, retirement accounts, qualified, non-qualified, it's all sixth grade math. Doctors, um, engineers, scientists, they have the higher level math, but it was eighth grade math when I did it. Your kids, it'll probably be more like sixth grade math. So, Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for your introduction. Sure. I wanted to just kind of get the discussion going with an article I found online. Um, and one of the only things I found online in regards to managing your money as a strength coach, uh, it was a, a blog on Team Builder that I found. The author, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name, was uh, Carmen Pata, Pata, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing your name, but uh, I think it was, it's one of the only things I found, and I think it'd be a good way to kind of get the discussion sure. started. Um, so I'll just read a short bit here. It says, first things first, I know you're all coaching for the right reasons. Either you want to give something back or you're trying to make a difference in people's lives or you're trying to leave a program better than the way you found it. I know these things because those are the reasons I do what I do, but you can't pay your rent with good intentions. So like it or not, you have to start being smart about the way you spend your money, which means you need to start planning on what you're going to do with each paycheck. And so, again, I haven't found a lot of information online or, or any resources on strength coaches in particular on what they should do with their money. Um, so maybe if you can kind of give us a response to that and then we sure. can kind of get a discussion going. You know, it's interesting he uses the word spend. And um, I don't think people look at things this way, but maybe if you take the first 10% of whatever you make and invest it and then spend the remaining on how you have to live or you want to live, pay yourself first. 
and I don't think most people pay themselves first. They think about paying Verizon or the landlord or the Amex card, whatever. Pay yourself first. And so maybe the habit of changing the vernacular a little bit from spending your money to investing your money might be a way to start the process, change the mindset a little bit. Um, it's not unlike most industries or most people. Most folks will not invest in themselves for the long term. And you'd, you'd brought up the uh, taxes. So advice right off the top. Set up payroll. Go through ADP because you're both self-employed, right? You don't have jobs. You're 1099 guys or um, Schedule C guys. Set up payroll. Put yourself on payroll. Put your wife on payroll. Put your kids on payroll. You do the same. Put your wife on payroll. Pay your kids $6,000 a year. $500 a month, okay? They don't have to report that. But your company gets to write it off. And you can do 529 plans and things of that nature for education for them in the future. But put your family on payroll and just, like if you have four kids, take $24,000 as a tax write-off. Because the money just goes from your business account to your kid's checking account. And in 18 years, maybe that pays for their college education. And it was tax-free. Right. Simple things. So talk to your CPA. Tell them you want to put the, you want to put the wife and the kids on payroll immediately. I think, I think even to take a step back, I don't think a lot of strength coaches even know how to set up a business, how to set up an LLC, how to set up a sole proprietorship. So um, Jared and I talked about this on our, on our last episode was when we first started this, we didn't know any of this. We didn't sure. even know to, to, to do that. I mean, we kind of knew the basics, but we didn't know that you had to set up a, you know, maybe an LLC or an S corp or, you know, sole proprietorship or even uh, the benefits of doing that. So can sure. you talk on that a little bit? And then maybe that adds to your point about maybe putting your kids on payroll or things like that, you know, cause sure. I think strength coaches don't even know. Before you go, sorry to cut you off is like my experience was I was a 1099 guy, right? Everyone that I knew growing up was a lot of W2. Sure. So they take your taxes out for you. Right. And I have a lot of buddies, when you start, you get this paycheck. You're a 21-year-old kid, you get $4,000 a month when you start. You put no, no money away for taxes because all you know growing up was net. a W-2. Yeah, your net check. Your net, and right. they're taking the taxes out for you. And all of a sudden, now the end of the year comes and the government comes knocking, they're like, hey, you owe us $20,000. Right. And you're like, that's like my whole bank account. <laughs> I mean, that, that's stories that I've heard of, like, and guys that, or they didn't put enough away. They didn't understand how much they should actually be putting away for just taxes. Right. Is where, you know, like that $4,000 check looks good when you're a 20 year old, 21 year old guy that's, you know, want to go get some beers with your friends, but all of a sudden you're spending, you're blowing through all your money that you might have to give to the government at the end of the year. Because we don't pay our taxes the way that a W 2 everyone else does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, just to, again, we're going to talk about sixth grade math. If you make $1,000 a month, Take three hundred and thirty-three dollars and put it away for taxes. Just take a third, a third. We're simple math. Take a third and put it away for taxes because you're going to. And let's let's go with the caveat that a lot of strength coaches or personal trainers who are training folks, that money's cash and they're never going to report it anyways. Okay, so bifurcate that and we'll just go to where you receive a ten ninety-nine from a large facility where you're training. Um, whatever that number is, happens to be sixty thousand in a year. Take thirty or twenty thousand, put it in the bank, and live off the rest. When you are self-employed, you have to pay. 
if you've been W-2, you know that you have Social Security taken out of your paycheck. Most people don't realize that the employer matches that Social Security with this exact same amount. When you're self-employed, you get to pay both of those. So it's 15.3%. It's yep. not 765 Yep. Then you have, you know, Uncle Gavin Newsom that wants his piece and Uncle Joe Biden that wants his piece, and you have to pay the Fed and the state. If you're lucky enough to be in a Texas or a Florida um, or Tennessee where you don't have state income taxes, then so be it. Um, for most sole proprietors, what I will tell you, and I have a colleague that has a very large book of business, he doesn't have an LLC, doesn't have an S-Corp, doesn't have a C-Corp. He's got a Schedule C on his tax return. We've all filed taxes. So you have your 1040 and you have your Schedule A with your itemized deductions. You have your Schedule B with your interest and dividends. And then you have your Schedule C, which is your business, whatever it may be. Mama's Sewing Company or Lucas, Lucas Quinn or Jared Wilson, whatever your company is. And you have no license. I mean, you have your professional licenses, but you don't have an LLC license. You don't have... Just set up a simple... C Corp, or uh, uh, Schedule C on your tax return. Keep it simple. There's no reason to complicate things. As you begin to grow, if you want to insulate yourself from some liabilities, then maybe you're going to go down the road of an S Corp or an LLC, limited liability company, and leave it all in the company. But if you do that, and even if you run your own Schedule C, set up payroll and get everybody on the family on payroll. Once the kids turn 18, keep them on payroll if they're going to go to college. But at 18, now you can also set up 401ks for the kids or IRAs and start them on the plan to a future that is more pleasant. Because I think what we're talking about here is <coughs> doing what you love to do and making your what you love to do your career. But I don't think enough people are looking to what's it going to be like when our bodies start to break down. Right and you're 60 years old, and you really don't want to keep training because you have you know, two beautiful sons and a beautiful daughter who have given you six grandkids. You don't want to say, yeah, I can't go. I've got, you know, we got to pull chain today or we got to push sleds today. No. Right. There's a running joke in the strength coach industry that Jared and I talk about is strength coaches don't have retirement parties. And you hear that a lot. So I think that's kind of to your point. Totally. So it's the dig your, dig your well before you're thirsty philosophy is mine. And I think... Um, what folks have to do is there's three things that should occur. One that will occur. You build a habit. Just build a habit. Start it. Build it as big as you can the first year, as uncomfortable as you can the first year. And if you don't do those two things, then you will retire broke. And I hate to use that five-letter word, but it is it's the real deal. 90-plus percent of the baby boomers out there today are broke. They're going to retire on some kind of Social Security and maybe they've got a half million dollars in the bank. Well, if you're 60 years old and you've got 25 to 30 years to live, half a million dollars is going to go fast, especially with inflation. So go to Costco today and get the 60-pack eggs. I think it's 60-pack. Yeah. And they have like a, a three-pack of uh, organic milk and a five-pound block of cheese, and just today, text, put it on your phone, whatever those costs, and go back next year and tell me if it costs any more. Yeah. Because regardless of what's coming out of Washington, those things are going to cost more next year. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but to kind of touch on what you're saying a little bit is maybe to go, like, some more advice, I guess I would ask, is for, like, a young strength coach that, you know, for example, my first year, I say, is, like, I made, like, $38,000, right? So, like, you're talking about the habits, how to get started. 
what would your advice be for someone like that? That maybe is not making a ton of money, but how do they build those habits? Maybe kind of, is there a place, a better place to put their money? Do they just save their money? Where would you kind of like go with that? So um, let's let's say a, a, a young coach is going to make thirty six thousand a year, right? Twelve months is three grand a month. Let's keep the math simple. Um, in that particular case, I don't think a third of that income is going to need to go to taxes, right? Um, probably more like twenty percent will need to go to taxes. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I would say to that individual, let's just say they're twenty two, right out of college, at least start off with a hundred bucks a month. And, and if you want to get real gutsy about it, in year two, make it 200 a month. So that by the time you're year 10, it's $1,000 a month. And by the time you're year 15, you're, it's 1500 a month. You're doing this thing for 20 years. You're now 42 years old and you're enjoying it, but you got kids, you have wife, you want to enjoy other things in life. I mean, now you're putting two grand a month away. I can't tell you what that number is going to be in 30 years. I'm going to guess it's probably going to be somewhere around $3 million-ish at a good return, um, but $3 million 30 years from now is probably gonna be worth about a million two. And a million two, even today if you had a million two, it's not gonna be a fat retirement. You're gonna take out maybe 4% a year. 4% on a million two is $48,000, that's $4,000 a month. So you wanna retire on 4,000 a month in Social Security? Dude, you better not blow any tires or lose a, a water heater or, you know, radiator goes. Yeah. So start. Just start. Again, if you can start a habit as big and nasty as possible, when you get to your second year, and let's just say you're fortunate to start build a business and you're going from 36000 to 48000 but you started off huge the first year, then that extra 12000 is $1,000 in your pocket. The habit's set. That money is yours to spend. But if you start off, you know, $100 and then you get a $1,000 a month raise, are you going to be disciplined enough to put another 100 away? Right. And, and what do you mean by away? Is that just savings? Is that investment? What do you I, mean? I, would, I, would, I would start it all as soon as possible in a qualified account. Qualified meaning uh, it qualifies for tax benefits. Keep in mind, 401ks and IRAs are not retirement accounts. 401ks and IRAs are not retirement accounts. They are savings accounts with tax benefits that you can use to age 59 and a half. And it has been sold and the propaganda is such that it's a retirement account. Pensions don't exist hardly anymore unless you're a civil servant, more than likely a school teacher, firefighter, police officer. They are savings accounts. So you have non-qualified. They don't qualify for any tax benefits. We make some money. We put it in our Wells Fargo savings. Boom. Then you have the qualified where we make our money, put our money in our Wells Fargo savings, and then take that money and put it in a qualified account, which we'll call propagandized, we'll call it a retirement account. Start that now. If your income is low and you may not pay much in tax, I would tell you do a Roth IRA. I've set up, I've set up plenty of them. A Roth means you pay tax on it now. And if you're at the 8% tax bracket, great, we'll pay tax on it now. You put this $100 away, 30 years from now, just this one $100 is worth $1,500. When you draw that out, it's 100% tax-free. Right. Pay no taxes. If you got bigger numbers and you're making more income and you are not self-employed and the company offers no 401k, start an IRA ASAP, $6,500 a year. It's going to be $541 a month, I think. Get that, start that habit. 
if you are self-employed, there's a SEP IRA, self-employed IRA. You can do up to 25% of your income not to exceed $62,000. And that's the big daddy. Because if you were, if you were rocking a business, this is not your strength coaches, this is a small portion of the strength coaches, right. and you're making a half million dollars a year, you put your wife on payroll for two fifty, and you're on for two fifteen combined, you guys put away hundred and twenty four thousand dollars. Okay. But if you're a coach, you're self employed, and maybe you're making sixty grand, the traditional IRA is only gonna let you put sixty five hundred away. But if you had a SEP, twenty five percent of sixty grand, you could put fifteen thousand away. So start the habit. Start now. Get after it now. The longer you wait, the more difficult it's going to be. So what about a strength coach who's 38 who has done none of this? What would you describe, What would you recommend in that case, which I'd be willing to bet is a lot? You know, or, you, hey, 42 or 46. Well, probably making good money. If, if you're 38, 40, and you're still strength coach and you're still busy, you're probably making pretty good money. It's, you're, not, you know, you're not in the 36 anymore. You got, obviously have a business because you've probably done it from a lot of strength coaches. I know started when they're 18. So you've done it for 20-some plus years. And maybe you just, you know, have never looked at this or have never the understood book, the it. Book of business. Yeah, good book of business, but the savings and uh, what you're saying, they just, they just haven't built the habit or whatever. How can they start? Because they might hear us and say, man, I'm 40. I'm only 20 years away from 60. And I'm like, man, what, like, what am I going to do? I, I can't put just $100 away. Right. Even $1,000 might feel, you know, a little short at that point. It'll be way short. Yeah. It'll be way short. And you know what? That 20 to 60... That comes really fast. Yes, you know, I am almost there. Um, so somebody in their late 30s, married, not married, maybe has a house, doesn't have a house. Let's assume they don't have a house. Everything I just talked about with, with qualified accounts, let's, let's bifurcate that and put it aside for a second. Buy yourself a duplex. Spend whatever the number is. California, $600,000 on a duplex. Do it with an FHA loan, three and a half percent down. Six percent of three and a half percent of six hundred thousand is twenty-one thousand dollars. So put twenty-one thousand dollars on this place, plus your closing costs, you may need thirty-one third, thirty-two thousand dollars, and move into this duplex and let that tenant pay your, your mortgage for you. That's at that age, hundred percent. Um you may be somewhere in Texas, and that duplex is gonna cost you um 300,000. 300,000 at three and a half is 10.5. So now you need 10.5 wow. plus your closing costs. Um, if you're at that age, uh, what I would tell you is housing, if you go to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's critical. Uh, Self actualization is top of the pyramid, it's not necessary. Um, safety and security and income, it's not necessary. Um, loving, belonging, um, being part of an organization, feeling accepted, not important. What is important is air, food, water, and shelter. That isn't that is a need. The other things make you a well-rounded human being. They make you a person that other people want to be with. They want to grow with. They make you grow. It makes you grow personally, but it's not necessary. What is necessary is air, food, water, and shelter. So you're 38. You're 40 years old. You've got nothing. You've got less than a hundred thousand in qualified accounts. Buy yourself a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex. There's nothing wrong with that living. And if you continue to rock your business, after a year or two, you save every penny you can. Then you go buy a house and then you let two people pay the mortgage for you. Because in 20 years, here in California, if we're talking about Newberry Park, 
a duplex, a two bed and one bath is going to rent for $2,800 a month each. So that's $5,600 a year or a month. 20 years from now, that's going to be 10 grand. Right. And the mortgage is going to be paid down by somebody else. And what did you put into the deal? $30,000, $35,000. That's my number one advice. So I'm very big on breaking away from the securities thought process and buying real estate and buying the house, then maxing out what you can put in your, your 401ks. And if you can get that habit, then you're going to be in a significantly better position than I would say 98% of your colleagues. Like 98, that's not fear-driven, that's just fact. Right, yeah. right. I think the median income for strength coaches, uh, I looked it up this morning, it was 38 to 64. Now, there's private industry strength coaches that are making a lot more because they're doing online business and they're doing a lot of other things. But like you said, 98% of strength coaches, they're not making 750 k a year. They're just not, you know. Um, what would be your advice for a younger strength coach who's just getting into it? What, what would be the first thing to do? I know we already talked about it a little bit, but do you have anything to add to that? Well, uh, I, w- I would tell them start the habit from the get-go start and go big and work 16 hours a day, six, seven days a week. Get after it. You're young. Go get it. And once you've developed that habit and you've got 1000 going away every month or maybe you're married or you have a significant other, each of you got 2000 a month going away, get after it. Build the habit and build it big and build it early. That's what I tell everyone. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that on our on last week about the straight coats industry. Now, a lot of people don't understand what maybe Lucas or myself or a lot of other trainers that we know, how they got to a point uh, that they're at now. And I, I said, like, if you scroll to the bottom of someone's Instagram feed, uh, Lucas's example, you'll see that he started at Parks. Like you won't see this, but that's what people see. That's what people see, right? And like what you're saying. Like you just showed up and it was there. Yeah, and like what what you're saying is like, it kind of changed my perspective a little bit when I look at it. It's like when I first started training, I was working 12 hours a day on average. And it was just like, make as much money as I can and build, the biggest thing really was like build my name as big as I can. Not really about the money, like the article said, it was just, hey, can I build my name as big as I can because I wanted to build something bigger, something that you could look at like this and be like, man, this guy, that, that guy built some success in this industry. But a way to look at it really is like what you're saying is like you could look at it to where I'm trying to make that $1,000 extra so I could set my family up and myself up 30 years, 40 years down the road. Because like what you're saying is 16 hours a day, you know, you could work four or five extra hours a day or maybe on a Sunday, which maybe you wouldn't work at night or whatever it is and make that $1,000. And now all of a sudden, boom, now you can put that money away. I think there's a lot of strength coaches uh, that either they just don't really think about it. It's not that they don't do it. It's not that they, whatever. I think, I think we just love this. Training people, being in this environment, being a strength coach, and we don't like to talk about this. But this stuff is so important because, like you're saying, is when you get to 50 and you still got to work 12 hours a day, that's not going to work. And your shoulder hurts <laughs> and the hip hurts, right? Because you're on your feet all day. You're on your feet all day and you've done your best to maintain your body. But, and, and, this is what I, and this is also something that I promise you is going to happen. Um, you guys are both going to get kicked in the teeth probably twice in the next 30 years. I've been kicked in the teeth three times in the last 30. The economy rolls that way, life circumstances, health, different things. And if you're not prepared for it, it can just be ugly. So young guys, man, work hard. Young guys and gals, work hard. Save your money. Put it away. Prepare yourself. Um, there's um, So, for example... There's a gas station in Texas. It's called Bucky's, and minimum wage in Texas is seven twenty-five an hour. 
and there's a there's a sandwich board out front, they're constantly trying to hire people at $15 an hour. Over 100% over minimum wage. So me and my wife, we go to Bucky's, we each get a job there, making $15 an hour. That's $31,000 a year. Combined, that's $62,000. That is about $5,5100 a month. $5,100 a month will allow us to buy a house in Texas with a house payment of $2,250. So you can work at a gas station and buy a house. And I would tell everybody as a young coach, first thing, if they're going to make a chunk of money, start start early or buy real estate early. Like I love 21-year-old real estate, people that own real estate. They're 20. I've had... I've had many clients, 20, over 2,000 clients, 2,500 clients that I've done loans for. And not one of the college-educated clients has done what I'm suggesting, okay? The two that have done what I'm suggesting, I told them, go buy a duplex or a triplex. They both did that. And they both bought their own houses. And then one of the guys who's an air conditioning guy bought his second home as an investment. And that triplex that he bought and I think he paid like 400000 so he had like a $14,000 down payment. That pays the mortgage on all three properties. Wow. And he might be in his mid-30s, late 30s now. It's a big deal. So then we move them forward to set up the retirement accounts. That's what I would tell young, young folks to do. But build a habit. Build it quick. The other thing I'd tell you is uh, I think most people should read um, Think and Grow Rich. Um, they should read The Millionaire Next Door um, and How to Win Friends and Influence People. Okay. Super important books, I think, for young folks to read. It will get their mind going, especially if they're businessmen like you that are building something. So can you put some numbers behind this? Because I think that'll make a big difference, and I can put it up on the screen for the podcast. But uh, if you could just kind of give us some numbers of what might use, you know, sure. what should suggest, I think that could make a big difference. And I think we talk about, I, I use this saying a lot, um, so a couple of simple habits before I run through numbers. Don't buy things you can't afford with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. That's great in general. Okay. So, um, so that your, your, your followers know. I, I've actually purchased a house at auction where a police officer and a teacher owned the house. And he had a 7 Series BMW. She had an Escalade, and they had a Malibu in the boat. And I did not even remotely feel bad because those car payments are house pay. The car payments and boat payment are house payments. So don't buy things you can't afford with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. And the other thing I'll tell you is if you can live today the way others are not willing to live, then you can live in the future the way they won't be able to. Okay. So if we, if we talk simple numbers, and this is... This is $100 a month, $1,200 a year for 30 years. And you're going to earn a 9% return, which is probably on the higher end, a 9% return. $100 a month will garner you about $180,000 in 30 years. Okay. Now, granted, that $180,000 is probably going to purchase about $80,000 worth of modern day, the current... Uh, Dollars can buy due to inflation. Due to inflation, if you were to go to five hundred dollars a month at nine percent, 
you'd have 900,000 in the bank. And that's just building the habit, put this, it's like, you know what, I'm going to make a perpetual car payment of $500 a month, but it's going to my retirement account, okay? Um, $1,000 a month puts you at $1.8 million. If you garner an 11% return, you're at $2.7 million. Here's the difference. $1,000 a month at 9% is a $1.8 million. At 11%, it's 2.7. It's a $900,000 difference. If you're rocking this thing and you can afford to put $2,000 a month away, you do it and your spouse or your significant other does. Well, now you're talking about $3.6 to $5.4 million. And it costs you 1000 bucks a month. So it's that $1,000 seven series or that $1,000 boat payment or that whatever it may be. Start the habit now, and the numbers become phenomenal. If, if you're in that situation where you're self-employed and you do have an income number of $100,000 and you're allowed by law to put away $25,000 into a qualified account, that number turns into $5.7 million at an 11% return and $3.8 million at a 9% return. And it's just starting to happen. You're going to spend the money anyway. So maybe, you know, my wife and I, we love sushi. But we can cut that, you know. And you hit sushi four times a month. And I don't know, we just don't seem to get out of a place ever for like 75 bucks. Right? Cut it in half and there's 150 bucks. It goes into that qualified account. And I think we talked off air too. It's like, well, people might think, well, $1,000 a month. I just can't do that. So well, what's the cost? But we mentioned, look, the cost is not doing it. That's the true cost is not doing it. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Do you, um, if you want to have children, are you prepared to rely on them to help fund your retirement? And when I say fund your retirement, it's not traveling to the Bahamas. It's, it's, it's name brand, generic, or no medications. It is, do I eat one, two, or three meals a day because I don't have the money? And most people will pridefully not mention it to anybody because they've made a mistake for 30 years. The cost of not doing it can be catastrophic for individuals. And I've had the cat food lady where we've done things for them because they're to the point where they're almost having to eat cat food because they don't have any money. I hate to say it, but you have to have money to survive in this society. So start habits. Um, don't, don't go crazy with the thought process. I can't tell you how many people have called and said, hey, I'm going to set up these two LLCs. I'm going to and do this, that, and the other. I'm like, no. Just start a sole proprietor. Open up a checking account that says Nick Pan Tuso, and you have your checking account and your real estate income, your your commissions or whatever, or your training, it goes into this, and whatever number is deposited at the end of the year, it shows up on the first line of your Schedule C of your tax return. Your CPA will love it. And just run it off of Schedule C and keep it simple, but start the habit. And it's not difficult. Um, most people can figure it out, and if they all of a sudden have a couple kids... They're going to figure it out real quick because they got other people relying on them. Take a little bit of time, do the research, start the habit, start the habit. Yeah, I mean, the biggest the biggest thing from those numbers to me is like, is like what you're thinking. Thousand dollars, not that hard to get to a thousand dollars. You could figure it out if you want to make the commitment to do that. Um, the other thing is like from the hundred to five hundred to a thousand. Even from the hundred to five hundred, is a big jump. From a, from a dollar perspective, from a dollar perspective, it's a big jump. So it's even like you said, you you mentioned earlier is. Maybe your first year, you start at that $100. And maybe your goal is in two years, I'm going to get to the 500 And in five years, I'm going to be at that 1000 And for the rest of my career, I'm going to be at that 1000 And then maybe jump to that $2,000 when I get, when I get to that point. But that when you're saying dollar amounts that I'm listening to, I'm like, 
even from the 9% to the 11%. Like those, those are drastic changes. I'm sure it's different from even 100 to $250. So it's, it's like you're saying is maybe skip a, skip a dinner, skip a, change something up in your lifestyle. Um, you know, cause I, I I've seen it and I, th- I I've seen it in some of my, um, elder friends is that maybe they don't have the money. They're prideful not to say anything, but they'll still say yes to something because they want to be a part of the community that they are in or the friends that they have. And I see it even in, in young strength coaches or young friends that I have is that, you know, you kind of know maybe they're struggling a little bit, but they'll still say yes to go to a really nice dinner and spend a hundred bucks at dinner. And they maybe say yes to something else. And it's, you know, that money could be going to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's not that much that you can sacrifice in order to set yourself up um, for success. Totally. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. You have to create that habit because at some point in time, um, the bell's going to toll. You're going to have to pay the toll. Yeah, for sure. I do want to mention, and um, like you guys are in the strength industry, you are telling people you, you got to get after it. Let's go. Let's get it done. And I'm just saying the same thing from a financial perspective. So Ryan Broles played for, I believe, the Lions, wanted to play for 10 years, ended up playing for three years, had a 1.1 guarantee, but his total contract was 3.6. And he lived on $60,000 a year, him and his wife. They lived on $5,000 a month. Now, even if you have a coach that's only making $60,000 a year, can you live on $4,000 a month instead of the $5,000 a month? and start putting some money away for your retirement. That's that's the key, and it's, it's discipline. I know it's a difficult example because the guy had made so much money, but if you don't dig your well before you're thirsty, it's going to be a long, dry summer. And I think, too, because of COVID, online grew so exponentially in terms of your opportunity to make money online in the fitness industry or in the strength and conditioning industry or, or training athletes. So, you know, it's not that hard to, to start an online business and use that money, you know, to, to put away or use that money to put into an investment account or something like that. So there are creative ways to do it if you hustle and if you grind and if you're creative and if you really want to make something happen, especially after COVID and the success of online, you know, or creating an online course or just finding a niche industry or a niche topic where you're very passionate about and you're knowledgeable about and you can provide value. And use that money or use that revenue to put away. And you don't have 100%. to touch your in-person training money or your salary or whatever it is, you know? I love the word hustle and grind. I love it because you guys have obviously done it. It shows with your success. It shows with your relationships. Hustle and grind. And everybody should have a side hustle. I'm 55 years old. I'm a CPA. I'm a real estate broker. I'm a lender. And I hold four securities licenses. What's your side hustle? And on top of that, you guys sound stupid. I broker dirt right now. What do you mean? I mean, guys call me up. I got two calls today. They need to move 70 truckloads of dirt. Oh, literal dirt. Dirt. Big super tens of dirt. What's your side hustle? What are you doing? What, what's causing your brain to work and be active so that you can build something for you and your family? Yeah, and not to be cliche, but this is America, and you can do what you want to do. You just got to put in the work, you know? Not to be cliche, but I really believe in that, you know? You don't know how many guys that I know that um, were not born in this country, were born in Mexico, that drive $175,000 trucks. And those trucks, they get paid $350 a load, and they'll do three or four loads a day, six days a week. $175,000 is not a lot of money for that truck. And they're making $1,100, $1,300 a day driving dirt. They're hustling. Yeah. It is not cliche. This country, you can do anything if you just grind it out. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, and like what you're saying is that this industry is like, go get it, hustle. Like that's part of the strength coach industry. And that's what like a lot of people have a, a good time talking about is that we work so hard. We love it. We push sleds, lift heavy weight, just get after it. Don't care about the money, all that stuff. But it, even if you change that mindset to 10% to focus on you and your finances, it'll, it could drastically change the outcome of your, your later life. Pay yourself first. Exactly. Yeah, Pay yourself exactly first. What you said in the very beginning is that could drastically change. You mentioned payroll, uh, and you mentioned that was the first thing to do. But how do you do that? What if somebody doesn't know how to do that? As of, you know, three or four years ago, I didn't even know what that meant. What does that even mean? You know, explain that. Great question. Okay. Um, and I'm the old guy here. Go on your keyboard, and you go to Google, and you type in ADP.com. ADP? ADP. Uh, automated Data Processing, I think. It may have been a Ross Pro company or something way back in the day. You guys are too young. Go to ADP.com, and... Search there, I want to set up payroll. And there's going to be some local salesperson right here in Westlake Village that you can get in touch with. And you say, look, I want to set up payroll for my company. I don't want to put my wife and my three kids. And you may or may not ever meet with them. They may want to come out and try to smooth you to get Jared's business and then to the next person's business. Go to ADP.com or just Google, I need to set up payroll. And there's a plethora of payroll companies you can set it up with. Probably take all of two or three weeks and you're done, if that. Even as a sole proprietor? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I didn't even know what that was when I started this. And so know? what happens is, so you pay your kids $500 a month. That's $6,000 a year. And again, again, it comes out of your business account and it goes into your checking account, but it shows up as payroll for the kids. And a lot of people will say, yeah, but I got to pay payroll taxes and I got to pay for the processing, the, 80, the $39 a, a month. Okay, so be it. So you do this for two kids. Now you've written off $12,000 over here in your business. And if between the federal and the state, you're at the 20% tax bracket, that's $2,400 in tax savings. Okay? And it costs you $39 a month plus your payroll taxes. So it costs you $1,000 a year. So you've saved $1,400 just by doing this. Which is not a lot of work to do at all. No. Yeah. No, and it's done all automatically, you know. Every month you pay the kids $500 a month and you pay yourself 2000 your wife 2000 or whatever it may be. You set it up and you let it click. It's a set it and forget it kind of thing. And you're saying it's for the basically for the tax deduction purpose. Yeah. That's what I would do it for. And um, for the SEP IRA, men and women out there in the strength industry that are making closer to $100,000 a year that they have it in their own business, if they pay themselves via payroll, 25% of that number, up to $62,000, can go into a retirement account tax-free. That would be the reason that if you're rocking in your business, you want to set that up so you can have a SEP IRA set up. Everybody on payroll can, uh, gets to can, uh, participate in it. Everybody on payroll must participate in it. Your kids can't until they're 18, so if it's just you and your spouse... Well, now you guys can both contribute to retirement accounts and it comes, it's tax deferred. I've never heard this talked about for strength coaches ever. And would you say the payroll, going on the payroll thing, is there a certain dollar amount that you would say someone to start that or would you say start that right away? So say it's a young strength coach is married and they're only making $40,000, $50,000. Would you say, hey, set that up right away or is there a dollar amount that you're like, hey, try to work toward, hustle harder to make more money so you can set that up or is it? So let's talk about it from that perspective. She, she's, she's the strength coach. She's making forty grand a year, and 
he's a teacher or something. He's got his job. So between the two of them, they're making 80 to 100 grand a year. Set up payroll and put both of you on payroll. And if then you can defer 12000 for him and 12000 for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100% I would. If you're all by yourself and you're making 40 grand a year, no, we'll just set up a simple IRA and contribute the maximum amount, which again, I think is $541 a month. And um, you, you roll from there. But if there's more income coming in the house, and here's the thing. If, if you have a spouse and you're both making money, consider your income worthless psychologically. My income is just going to go to the retirement account. And your spouse's income is going to go to run the household. Or vice versa. Either way, so many people get got, caught up with, well, I make this much and my spouse makes this much and we use that money for this. Who cares what it's for? Start putting money away. Build the habits. Just create the habits. And as far as, you know, strength coaches in the private industry, too, who have to, you know, be responsible for a lot in terms of they've got to pay rent, they've got to pay insurance, they've got to pay utilities, they have to pay employees, potentially, that can all be really, really expensive, because that's not, that's all business, you still have personal as well, you know, so what's your advice for, for, you know, strength coaches who may own a big, you know, training facility, but they're still living paycheck to paycheck, because they have to come up with 10 or $12,000 a month just to break even. Pay yourself first. If you pay yourself first, um, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, get that book. Pay yourself first. If you pay yourself first, you know you have obligations you got to handle. You will figure out a way to, fi- to handle those obligations. That's the Rich Dad, Poor Dad theory. Pay yourself first. Well, yeah, but I got, okay, if you're going to worry if FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, is going to drive your business, what you have is what you have. Right? Would you bet on you? 100%. Would you bet on you all day long, right? So pay yourself first, and then you'll figure that piece out. And figuring that piece out may just mean I got to go Uber tomorrow night because I need an extra $150 this week for whatever. Yeah. Pay and yourself first. Yeah, I think there's another, there's in the strength coach industry that you're, especially in the university setting, you may at, be at a different job bouncing around every two to three years. A staff could get fired, and you're a part of that. So, you know, what about guys that have been to eight different schools in, you know, three and a half years or six years or whatever? Does that make it harder to invest money? Or what about a guy in that situation? Not, not the least bit. And I will tell you, most people not in the strength coach industry will have seven different jobs by the time they start and time they finish. Same thing. So if, you, if, if you're bouncing from school to school with staff and, and different programs, whatever it may be, um, turnovers of coaches or re-eliminating a program, which they did to me at, Saint, at Long Beach State. When I, after I left, they eliminated the program. So it's funny because I was looking up that strength coach that was mine back in the day when I came here. That money follows you wherever you go. And it's bifurcated. It's, it's completely separate. It's, it's its own silo of wealth. And regardless of how many different ways you're paying into that silo, wherever you go, it's going to follow you. So... Like, questions like that complicate the issue. Yeah. Start the habit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like, <clears throat> I mean, for me, yeah. I, when, I, when you were saying, when you asked the question, that was the first thing I thought was like, I think a lot of strength coaches, people in general, think about that. Like, the next job, make more money, uh, find the next step, bounce here, bounce there. But they, again, don't think about 
what you're what you're saying. It's too short term. It's They're too thinking short too short term. term. It's like, oh, I just have to put five hundred dollars away. No, I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do this. Versus just making it very simple and start the habit. And like I said, I, I struggled with that probably the first four or five years in this industry. It was just like, oh, brother, next I, th- step, I think next we've step, all next I step. think we've yeah. all struggled with that for sure. Because when you're young, you're invincible, man. Yeah. Um, but by the time I was 25, I'd already buried six friends. Right. So start it because you just don't know. And, yeah. and whoever you bring along, wife and kids and spouse and kids, whatever it may be, start it so they're taken care of. And for those strength coaches that have spouses and kids, let's also maybe get a little discussion going on a chunk of life insurance. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Um, <laughs> by the time I was 25, I had buried six friends. Last year, I buried five alone. And you just don't know... I mean, Timmy looked like, Timmy passed away last year. He fell asleep and didn't wake up. He looked like he could still go on the pitch and, and step in the, in, in the net and play. I mean, he was fit and in great shape. He just fell asleep and didn't wake up. If you don't set up a living trust, if you own any piece of real estate, you need to set up a living trust. You need to have some kind of life insurance so that those that potentially you leave behind will be taken care of. And those are just two very important things to do. How do you set up a trust? Um, you can do it online. Uh, any attorney is probably going to charge between $1,500 and $3,000. Um, a couple key components is you have a living trust, but you will also have a will. Your will must be a pour-over will, meaning <clears throat> some of the basics are, and I think the number is still $150,000. If, if you have assets in excess of $150,000 and they are not in your trust, that goes to probate, which means the court gets involved, they put an attorney on the case. They take a chunk of the estate because they got everybody gets paid, right? Or if you have a piece of real estate, it must be in the trust or it automatically gets probated. A pour-over will is for everything you don't have in the trust. And you will have things that are not in the trust. You got a Mickey Mantle baseball card, a rookie card. Uh, that's worth a chunk of money, right? That's going to go in the trust. Got it. You know, that 69... Corvette that's sitting in the, was grandpa's sitting in the garage. It, what happens, if you picture a pour-over will, all these little tiny assets go into this pour-over will, and everything in that will pours out of the will into the trust. Got it. So, important things to have. You can and set it up online. I'm sure I've got an attorney that's done ours, um, $1,500 to $3,000. And then life insurance. Talk to, about that a little bit. Um for young guys, and, and what I currently have is um, I just have term insurance um, because of how I've built my portfolio. It's not necessary to have anything but that. Um, plenty of money to plant me in the ground and give mama cash for for whatever she may need. You know, um, So even if it's as, as little as a half million dollar policy, you guys are super fit. I'm sure that most life insurance policies are going to draw blood and they're going to Take some some vitals, and your blood, you guys, your blood pressure is going to be low, and you're, you're going to be super clean, and it's probably be a very low premium. It's worth doing just to have the peace of mind, and it's the get hit by the bus theory, whatever it may be. Yeah, because a lot of guys who ha- are in the private industry, they're their family's income. They have to work. If they don't work, they don't make money. If they don't work, they don't eat. So that 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 part is you know adds a lot of stress onto the job and onto your mind as well. That's really stressful. Imagine yeah. that and thinking that, man, if I pass away, what are they going to do? 
I am the sole provider, right? If, if, she, if she's been out there busting her hump and building this, she's got a book of business of a couple hundred clients, and he's at home and he's raising the kids and he's not worked and she dies. Well, what skill set does he have, right? And so it's, I think life insurance is a key component. Everything, everybody should have at least a chunk at a minimum to pay off the house, right? Again, air, food, water, and shelter. doesn't matter that you have, you know, Nikes on or Asics on or you drive a BMW or a pickup truck. It's air, food, water, and shelter, right? That's the key. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another another point of like, you said attorneys fifteen hundred, three thousand. That investment might be worth it to have someone do it for you. I think a lot of times, especially I'm going a lot based on like my career and what I've thought is that like when I was making money early on, I just wanted to keep all that money. I wanted to put it maybe just right back into the business, um, which I don't think is a bad thing. But like I just I never wanted to think about retirement. I never wanted to think about life insurance. I never wanted to think about any of those things that are obviously very important. They're just, they're never talked about in this industry. Like I, I don't have anybody's, uh, maybe besides Lucas and one other buddy that we, we have these conversations about um, and they only started probably four or five years ago, uh, which is, you know, I wasted three or four years, but I learned a lot from that. And now I can be in a position now to have these conversations and understand and maybe help younger strength coaches go on and say like, hey, you know, put 1500 away so you can go talk to attorneys so you can set this stuff up for you because that's, that's, that's your life. That's your, it's really important for you, your family, whatever you got going on. Um, you know, stop paying something that you have so you can invest your money into a, um, an account. Like those type of conversations are, are huge to have um, for this industry to, you know, push it forward so people can stay, great coaches can stay in the industry and they can make enough money to provide for their family um, and retire at, at a decent age and, and still have a good life to be able to run around with their grandkids or their kids or whatever. Um, yeah, cause it, it, it's hard. Or, or, just, or just travel. Yeah. Or, or do volunteer work, whatever it may be. But you had made the point up at the beginning, you know, what's the cost of, of setting something like this up? And then the immediate question is, well, what's the cost of not setting it up, right? So 1500 to 3000 for a trust. Should you have a piece of real estate and you don't have a trust, the cost is going to be 10 to 20 times what the cost of setting up the trust would have been. So... 10 times $1,500, 15 grand. 20 times $3,000, it's going to cost you between 15 and 60 grand to settle that with the courts. Which is a huge headache. It's a huge headache. Yeah. Huge headache. Not to mention that you should have a, a health directive, uh, a DNR or some kind of health directive, um, durable power of attorney, so that should something happen, you can make decisions for one another. Yeah. yeah. So... All this stuff, it's, 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 we talked about a lot of stuff and it can be complicated, but it's, it's really super simple. Set up the account, start the habit. And maybe to shift gears a little bit um, and just talk about taxes in general. What are some things that, you know, a strength coach who knows nothing about taxes, what does he need to do to make sure he's maximizing his deductions, maximizing his income, planning for trying to open a facility, a training right. facility in two or three years? What are things that, you know, tax-wise that you would, you know, just talk about? So um, I talk about this, most of this part of the conversation is all in relation to uh, eventually purchasing real estate, right? Um, if you want to create silly wealth, you purchase real estate or you put big numbers away early and for a long time. Um, if 
your wife wants a house, you purchase real estate, okay? So um, from a tax perspective, all of this equipment in here, this, this couch has probably got a five-year useful life in the IRS guidelines. And it costs $1,000 five years, so you're going to depreciate it $200 a year for five years. Or there's a code section 179 where you can depreciate the whole thing in one year, and you write it all off. It's a matter of not saying I have furniture expense and you're expensing this couch. You have a furniture asset and you're depreciating the expense of it. That's Reason. key. It's huge because this $1,000 that reduces your income, I can add it back to your income for purposes of financing a piece of property. The other thing is if you have a Schedule C, you have your car payments and, and your oil changes and your tires and your brakes and all that. On the second page of the Schedule C, and I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm going to say it's around line 40, you can actually fill in the amount of miles you drove and take, let's just call it, it's 54 cents, I think. But let's just say it's a 50-cent mile deduction and you did 17,000 miles. You did 20,000 miles, simpler math. Um, 50 cents on the dollars, you can write it off taxes of $10,000. But for purposes of financing a house as a lender, I get to go back and say, well, that $20,000, 20,000 miles, I get to add back 25 cents a mile. So now, I, even though you took the 100% write-off, I can give you an extra 5000 of income. And the last thing I would tell you to do is don't write off meals and entertainment. The tax code says that if you spend a thousand, if you write off $1,000 on your tax return, you're only allowed to write off 50 cents on the dollar. So every f underwriter in the nation knows that if you write off $1,000, you spent $2,000 in meals and entertainment, and you only got to write off $1,000. Well, they know your cash flow was down by $2,000. So they hit you for another $1,000 loss. I would just say categorize it as something else. And, and it increases your purchasing power in terms of real estate. In a huge way. A huge way. Yeah. In terms of qualifying for loans. Qualifying and like for yeah. a loan. So it, it takes these, these expenses that you took that are summer cash, summer non-cash, and it allows you to add back a fraction or all of it to your income. You made $100,000, you depreciated $10,000, you paid tax on ninety, but I still get to give you a loan based on 100000 Right, right. Or you spend you know ten or $15,000 developing an online business and filming content and things like that. That could be an asset, right? It is an asset, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's on, everything we're doing today, this microphone, these chains, everything here today is an asset that you can write off. And so depending on your tax bracket, instead of paying $100 for a chain tax affected, you're paying $70 for it. Absolutely, 100%. Anything you do, making T-shirts, sending out flyers, the photocopy, the printer, you name it, everything yeah. becomes part of it. And what most people do is... All the cell phones will be through the business. The car payments will be through the business. And you don't, here's a big way. Let's just say you have a $500 car payment. Um, and the car payment's in your name and the business name. Don't ever write a check for the payment out of your personal account. Make sure it always comes from the business account, even if you got to put money in that month to make that payment. That will not be counted against you for purposes of qualifying for a home. And I, the, and I tell all my self-employed clients and even people that are not clients, look, if you're thinking about buying a house, I'm happy to do the loan for you. Before you file your tax return, let me see it. 
I want to see the return. Because a CPA is going to make you feel good that he saved you money in taxes. Whereas if I just reclassify some things, I might be able to get you an extra seventy-five dollars to $150,000 in loan proceeds. Which can make a big difference. A huge difference. Massive difference. In the property that you get or the payment that you're making. Or the neighborhood that you have to live in versus what you could have lived in. You saved 4000 in taxes, but if you hadn't done that, I could have you living in a whole other neighborhood. But yeah. you save four thousand. You save four grand. Yeah. You yeah. know, those are the kind of conversations I have. Yeah, and that's powerful. And I don't think strength coaches think like that. That's just totally different than what the way that we think. Yeah. Well, I'm a different person too. Yeah. I'm a little strange that way. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it's just the conversation that we've had today is you don't ever see that in strength coach podcasts. You don't see that in. Um, I've seen a couple, but not, you know, it's just, it's almost like this should be like a, a bit, this would be classified as a business podcast, but we are business owners. You're business yeah. owners. Yep. We're not just people that just train people all day and talk about reps, sets, intensities, uh, all the cool stuff that we like to talk about, but like we are also business owners. And, you know, if you don't focus on that and take some of these little things that, like you said, are very simple, if you break it down and build the habit, um, you know, you might not be a business owner in 10 years, 12 years, or you might have to have another business just to afford to do this, just to uh, live. which you love to do, um, you know, which we've seen probably plenty of times, which makes us sad, which one of the reasons why we're trying to do this and have these type of conversations is to just bring a light to it and help some younger strength coaches or what Lucas brought up earlier as an older strength coach that maybe just didn't learn this stuff ever and just kind of has been just training people and loving his life. Totally. Yeah. And that's why I think there's not a ton of bigger training facilities that are successful. Because it's hard to do it. You could do it for two years. You could do it for five years. But it's hard to sustain it. So maximizing your tax saving and your financial planning, mm -hmm. I think, is really important as a business owner first and as a strength and conditioning coach or a trainer second. Try, try to develop the habit to pay yourself first. Einstein said the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. Those who understand it will make it work for them. Those who don't understand it will work for it. So... You can either have it work for you or you can work for it. But somebody is working in the compound interest calculation. And that's what this whole retirement thing is. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I think we had a great discussion. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I hope that strength coaches are going to take this to heart and make a change. You know, I think there are probably five things that you mentioned. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. That's easy to do. You know, it doesn't take – any a ton of money doesn't take any talent you know doesn't you don't have to be that smart just do it you know so i appreciate you taking the time for um, sure i appreciate I, you guys having me and i like i enjoy this stuff yeah, i gotta give back yeah well, we talked a second though what, what finishing is uh is there any last kind of like advice i know we talked off air a little bit about books is there anything you know like final statements that you want to me, give uh, you know just you know, younger people that are tuning in, I know you mentioned some stuff off here, so I want to give you opportunity. So to, to I, I just, I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad is, is an insane book. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki talks about the um, cash flow quadrant. And I'm not going to go into that because I think everybody should explore that. And you can even just pull it up on YouTube. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, premise, one, one, his buddy's dad's a store owner and his dad's a highly educated professor. And his dad was a broke, highly educated professor, and this other guy's dad, who brought him under his wing, taught him about business and cash flow and investing in business and investing for the future and letting your money work for you. So that, I think, is big. Um, yeah, I, I'd say just, just get after it. Get your kids on payroll. Buy real estate. And something that's interesting, I, I think we talked about I was going to tell you this. 
I've been collecting a W-2 since I was 12. When I was in the, I started the sixth grade with the same shoes I ended the fifth grade in. My dad put four of us through 48 years of Catholic school, private school. He left the house every day at five and he was home every day at four and he worked hard, but we just didn't have a ton of money. So I got a job washing dishes at a local golf course. Mrs. San Jose hired me and paid me a W-2 such, this is stupid. She, she hires me and I'm 12, I turn 13 in December. In January, I get a W-2. Well, we know what that is. How many 13-year-olds know what a W-2 is? So back then, you did your tax returns. You got a booklet from the state of California, from the federal government. It was all perforated, so you pulled your tax return out. And you filled it out, you put an envelope, and you sent it in. So my mom made me do my tax return. So I literally said, she said, whatever it asks, you just do. First name, pretty easy. Nick, last name, Pantuso, D, middle initial. And it took me about an hour to do my tax return. And man, I was standing in the tall grass because I had like a $300 refund. <laughs> I made like $1,100 $1, or something that year. I asked my mom what she paid to do her tax return. It was like $19. And making like $2.35 an hour, I'm thinking if I could do a tax return in an hour, I can make 19 bucks. That's when I made the decision to be a CPA. Now, that is stupid. That's hysterical. That's dumb. <laughs> That's that is hilarious. dumb. Yeah, in the seventh grade. So, um, and then I just, my mind goes, and so I just, I hustle. I love this stuff. I was up at six this morning, made a phone call to a client. Um, phone's been blown up because guys want to move dirt. <laughs> I can do all the things I need to do and still go move dirt because it's fun. So. Cool. Well, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. You guys are awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate what, what both of you have done for my family. Appreciate it. Working everybody as hard as you've worked. <laughs> yes, yeah. sir. That's awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you.